Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Today's episode of the Believe in Steelers show is brought to you by betonline.ag. Week six of the NFL season is here. And if you have a bet on the NFL, postseason baseball, college football, hockey's back, NBA's right around the corner. October is a great month, and betonline.ag takes care of all of your sports gambling needs. So here's what you need to do. Go to the website, betonline.ag. Use your desktop or mobile device today to sign up and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, cue the music. It's time to start the show. Welcome to the Believe in Steelers show on the Believe Network. I'm your host, Mark Bergen, rolling solo to start today's show. Ike Taylor will join us here shortly. And we've got week six action, Steelers and Buccaneers, Steelers at home in Pittsburgh at Akershire Stadium. It'll be rookie quarterbacks Kenny Pickett's first start in Pittsburgh. So certainly... That would be a little bit of optimism for the Steelers, a Steelers team that has lost four consecutive games now. Buccaneers opened at a seven and a half point favorite in this game. That line is up to nine points now over under set at 44. And on Tuesday, head coach Mike Tomlin took some accountability, says, quote, we were a disaster in all three phases and we have to own that starting myself when I do. When it's that bad across the board, it starts with me. We don't need to seek comfort because there's enough blame to go around. We need to be solution-oriented, end quote. And so even with the quarterback change, the Steelers only muster three points against a Bills team that looks like it's best in the league. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about the Bills later in today's show, but Bills going up against the Chiefs in week six, which is going to be heck of a matchup considering those two teams the points they scored in a playoff matchup last season was absolutely something else. But Steelers offense is just struggling. 3.9 yards per carry, no runs of more than 20 yards, just one of three teams in the league without a carry of more than 20 yards this season. 
And defensively, the Steelers have struggled without TJ Watt. They still have yet to win a game without their star edge rush players. So right now, Steelers aren't going to make any uh, personnel changes in terms of the coaching staff. I know that's something people have been calling for with the struggles of this team. Let me run you through a few statistics of where the Steelers rank. Rush offense, 28th. Pass offense, 23rd. Total offense, 28th. Scoring offense, 30th. And then the defensive side of the ball, which has been the calling card of the Steelers the last several seasons, it's not much better. Rush defense is 22nd, so that's better than dead last in the league like they were a year ago. Pass defense is 31st, total defense is 30th, and scoring defense is 27th. Point blank period, this just isn't a very good football team right now. And I know there's a lot of turnover, and I know you lose your star quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger, who is a constant for the last 18 seasons. And look at a lot of head coaches without their star quarterbacks. Tomlin without Ben, 19-19-1. Let me run you through a few other head coaches when their star quarterbacks either left, retired, went to another team, what have you. Bill Belichick without Tom Brady is 73 and 82. Pete Carroll without Russell Wilson, 50 and 54. How about John Harbaugh without Joe Flacco or Lamar Jackson, four and nine. Sean Payton without Drew Brees, 17 and 12. I, I mean, I could go on and on. You kind of get the point. And so you got a rookie quarterback. I do expect it to be Pickett's team. In the coming weeks, I know he's going to struggle. It's not going to be a linear progression. There are going to be growing pains. He's a rookie. I thought he showed some fight. He had more than 300 yards passing against the Bills. They just couldn't punch it in. You know, you have two missed field goals from kicker Chris Boswell, who's normally very, very reliable. And at least that's a little bit better. That's not to say six points is going to make a heck of a lot of a difference when you allow 38 to a Bills team that's among the NFL's best. But there is some optimism there with what Kenny Pickett showed me in the opener against a Bills team that's very, very good. And so we'll see. It, like some of the outside noise, and I, I'm not going to get too far into what Deontay Johnson said and the back and forth between Ryan Clark and Brooke Pryor, who's been on this show. But when some of that outside noise actually carries weight, to me it's a sign of how this team is just not playing very good football right now. And the question you have to ask yourself is, is does this team win a game between now and the bye week? Because this stretch that the Steelers are on, this four-game schedule, we know what happened with the Bills last week, hosting the Buccaneers, a team that's been in the playoffs back-to-back seasons with Tom Brady, won the Super Bowl in Brady's first season. Very good defense, Buccaneers. You got them at home, now a nine-point favorite. Again, that line has moved. It opened at seven and a half. If you got it there, you got good value. Sunday night football against the Dolphins. We'll see if Tua's back. I know the Dolphins had a hot start this season, but that's going to be tough too because that's on the road down in Miami as well. And then in Philadelphia, the Battle of Pennsylvania against the Eagles. Eagles are playing as good as any team in the league, and they're the NFC's best right now. The only undefeated team left right now. We'll see what the Eagles do here in Week 6 against the Cowboys. Another great matchup we'll preview. But... Going into the bye week, Steelers have lost four games in a row, sitting at one and four. I hope maybe they can they can steal one of those games, maybe the Dolphins game on Sunday night football. Mike Tomlin and the Steelers tend to do really, really well in prime time if you look at their record traditionally. But they might not win a game. Like honestly, they'd be lucky to get one to where you go into the bye week and you're sitting at two and six. And they should take their time bringing TJ Watt back because 
if this season is already lost and we'll see what happens in these next three games, you might as well just hold him out and get him healthy for next season. Why risk further injury? Because it look, he's out because of the pectoral injury, but he had arthroscopic knee surgery. You see headlines sometimes you say minor knee surgery. That's an oxymoron. And I know they're athletes. I know modern medicine and all that. Knee surgery, to say minor knee surgery, that's an oxymoron. And so with Watt, it's it's almost as if this defense has fallen apart because they get seven sacks in the opening week. I believe they've had like three in the last three weeks. If you're going to beat Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that's going to be one of the things that you need to do. Now, the, the Buccaneers don't run the ball all that well. They rank second to last, 31st in the NFL in rushing. But as my co-host Ike Taylor pointed out last week, what they do is they'll use their quick passing game as an extension of the run game. So they'll get Leonard Fournette going out of the backfield a week ago against the Falcons. Fournette had 10 catches on 11 targets, 83 yards and a touchdown. So you use that as an extension of your running game. The offensive line with the Buccaneers, not traditional, and the onus falls on 45-year-old Tom Brady, but that's why he's the GOAT. Now, we'll talk, too, about the roughing the passer penalties called against Brady and the protection that he gets. From the league, it's not just Tom Brady, but we'll discuss that too. But this Steelers team, for anyone watching on YouTube, what I want to know in the comments is, do they win a game between now and the bye week? What do you think that their record will be? I'll say this. I think they'll be two and six. I I think they find a way to win one of those games. I know it's looking very bleak right now, but if you're looking to place a bet, you can go to betonline.ag, one and seven, two and six. That, that's what's going to happen. Three and five, there's no way that's going to happen. There's zero chance the Steelers win the next three games because the offense has been that bad right now. And I've got some data on Matt Canada, too, that I need to share, and then we can get into keys to the game and score prediction. But Matt Canada, since a 16-16 to tie against the Lions last season, remember Mason Rudolph filled in for Ben Roethlisberger in that game. Matt Canada has four different quarterbacks run his offense. In those 14 games, the Steelers have averaged 18 and a half points per game. And only because Roethlisberger put up 27 points in the fourth quarter against the Chargers and 21 points in the fourth quarter against Minnesota. Quarterback or offensive coordinator? And I know a lot of people are calling for Matt Canada's job. If you were to let him go midseason, what do you do? Who do you turn to who's already part of this coaching staff that would help make the situation better. And Mike Tomlin even said as such in his news conference on Tuesday to where if you make a change, that's fine. But is it a tangible upgrade? Are you getting better? Now, you also have to evaluate Kenny Pickett in these next several weeks. And as long as he's healthy, he needs to be the starter for the rest of the season. Because if you bottom out, there are like five quarterback prospects in this upcoming class. It might be a little bit hard to evaluate what Pickett can do because he's hamstrung by an offensive line that's not very good, a receiver group that's not making plays, a running game that hasn't gotten going. Again, they don't have a rush for 20 yards this season, one of three teams that can say that in the entire league, and an offensive coordinator where it just hasn't worked. And the sum of the Steelers offense doesn't equal its parts because there are a lot of individual players that have shown flashes in previous seasons. Deontay Johnson and Najee Harris were pro bowlers a year ago. 
Chase Claypool scored 11 touchdowns as a rookie for the Steelers in the 2020 season. Tied a franchise rookie record. Think of all the great players the Steelers have had. Pat Frymuth a year ago is going up and winning combat catches. I believe he had six touchdowns as a rookie. Thurman players, there's individual talent on this offense. I mean, George Pickens, that might be the one silver lining for the Steelers' offense. But when your best offensive players this season have been Minka Fitzpatrick, who's a safety, and kicker Chris Boswell, those have been the Steelers' best offensive players this season. Mick had a pick six in the opener. He very nearly had a pick six against the Jets in week four. Set up the Steelers' first touchdown, the first touchdown of Kenny Pickett's career. They've been the best offensive players for the Steelers' offense. That's how putrid this offense has been. Again, so Matt Canada, if it keeps up how it is, he won't be around in 2023. But again, if you get rid of him midseason, who do you turn to to actually make it better right now? You just hope that it doesn't hamstring Kenny Pickett's development. But you got to play Pickett. I liked what I saw against the Bills, even though they scored three points. I mean, 300 yards, I know he threw the ball 50 times. I'm well aware of that. But I liked what I saw, and I liked the fight of where he gets up and wants to get after the defender who's going after his legs. And I'm glad his teammates rally around him. I know he's a rookie. I know he's the first-round pick. But they call that those penalties on the slide and then towards the end of the game. They call that for Josh Allen. They call that for Tom Brady. I'll get to that in a little bit. Injuries going into this game. Cam Sutton's got a hamstring. Mika Fitzpatrick's got a knee injury. Levi Wallace had a concussion, a color witherspoon, a hamstring. Larry Ogunjobi's got a back injury. Zach Gentry, the tight end, has a knee injury. And Montrevious Adams has a hip injury. We'll see which of those guys go. We are recording this on Wednesday, so a lot can change between now and game day on Sunday. Let's go to keys to the game and score prediction. The key to me is going to be getting pressure on Brady because the Buccaneers only average 66 rushing yards per game. 31st in the NFL. There's only 32 teams trying to get out of the way of the sun here. Sun's coming in. Steelers are averaging 88 rushing yards per game, 29th in the league. So the key is going to be getting pressure on Brady because the onus falls on him. He's 45 years old. He's the goat, no doubt. But if you can get pressure on him, that's traditionally when he struggled as a quarterback. Easier said than done. Easier said than done without TJ Watt in the lineup. Watt's not going to be back for this game. But there's really no phase of the Steelers team that is playing well through the first five weeks of the season. Like, I'm a glass-half-full guy. It, it's been a struggle for me to say, this makes me optimistic moving forward for the Steelers team. I think you could say Minka Fitzpatrick. I think you could say George Pickens at times. I think Jalen Warren's done a nice job when he's gotten snaps. And he actually played one more snap than Najee Harris did in that Bills game. He's going to play more and more. He's going to play more and more, and I'm going to say this too. I don't think Najee Harris is 100% right now. You you say you criticize him. He hasn't done what he needs to do. I think a lot of it's on the offensive line, the the up front they push, and I've seen individual clips where Harris doesn't hit the hole the right way. The blame goes all around. Offensive line, everyone on the offense, like there's no one on the offense who can hang their hat and say, yep, I've done my job. Because when you're averaging 15.4 points per game, and a lot of that has come from the wizardry of Minka Fitzpatrick on the defensive side of the football, everyone needs to be accountable for that. Everyone does. So there's really not a whole lot 
to to look forward to with that. We'll see if Akeem Hicks can go for the Bucks. He's stout up front. This is a very good Buccaneers defense. We talk about the GOAT. We talk about Tom Brady. I like their receivers, Mike Evans, Godwin. I don't think Julio Jones is going to be back quite yet. But this is a Buccaneers team where if they make a deep postseason push, yeah, they've got the GOAT. Yeah, Tom Brady in this offense can round into form later in the season. But it's really the defense led by Todd Bowles, who's now the head coach. Guy Ike and I really, really like as a head coach too. Defensive mind that makes this Buccaneers team go. It's going to be tough for it's going to be tough for this for this Steelers offense to move the football against a very, very good Buccaneers defense. My score prediction: I've got the Buccaneers taking care of business, thirty-one to seventeen, on the road in Pittsburgh. 17 points like man i would love to see the steelers crack i would love to see them get three touchdowns i don't feel like that's asking for too much but i just think it's this buccaneers team is going to be way too talented and i think this buccaneers team going to continue to round into form here in the coming weeks to where had they lost to the falcons if the buccaneers would have gone into this game at two and three the narrative this week would have been 45 years old, is it it for Tom Brady and all the off the field problems? You're not, you don't have that now. They, they escaped Atlanta and they won at home 21 to 15 in week five. So we'll see. Again, 31 17, got the Buccaneers beating the Steelers in Pittsburgh. Let's go to roughing the passer penalties. There were two that this is a huge problem with the league. And I know that the owners are going to talk about it. Here in the coming weeks, there's reports that they aren't going to make a change midseason, but not that they need to make a change with how the rules are written, but how they're enforced. Because in that Buccaneers-Falcons game with Tom Brady, late in the game, the defender's just simply trying to sack Tom Brady. And I get that you need to have player protection, but there's a difference between a contact sport and a collision sport. Football is a collision sport. Soccer and basketball are contact sports. But a player's just trying to simply make a play. The Buccaneers get a phantom first down because of a roughing the passer penalty. And the Buccaneers put the game away. And Atlanta was coming back in that game. I don't know if they would have gotten the ball back. They would have driven down the field and scored. Because, again, Buccaneers defense is very, very good. But to have the referees take that opportunity away potentially was a huge problem. And it wasn't just the Falcons Buccaneers game. We saw it on Monday night football where chiefs defensive lineman, Chris Jones is going after Derek Carr, just trying to make a sack. And it was the second player in as many days to where sack negated a controversial roughing the passer call strip sack of Derek Carr on Monday night football. Warrants a penalty? Like, if we want flag football, if we want the Pro Bowl, people don't watch the Pro Bowl. Now, again, I get that you can't have cheap shots, like what we saw Shaq Lawson do to Kenny Pickett, and that wasn't penalized. So this is the issue that I have, is it's called one way for a Tom Brady or your star quarterback, yet for the rookie, it's let's look the other way or, oh, we didn't see it. I think what the league might need to do is not just with the enforcement. So mid-season, you know, I allow for a pump fake, and I'll explain that in a second. But this season, you've got to change the enforcement of 
okay, can we allow for a pump fake? <laughs> The full body weight rule has never made sense to me because some of these quarterbacks are big, big players. And Josh Allen is 240. So not to use your full body weight, how else are you supposed to bring him down? He's six foot five, six foot six. The enforcement this season, but it's like, we don't want to watch the Pro Bowl. We don't want to watch flag football. And I go back to there was a 2006 game with Vince Young when he was the quarterback of the Tennessee Titans. And it was an epic comeback against the New York Giants when the league started to protect quarterbacks more and enforce roughing the passer penalties. And you don't want to go for the knees, but you can't go above the shoulders. And it's like, how the heck do you tackle a guy? Vince Young was coming back against the Giants and there was a Giants defensive lineman who had Young wrapped up, and he thought the referees were going to blow the whistle. They didn't. Vince Young spins out of it and completes a pass down the field, and it leads the Titans to a 21-point comeback. When you're going up against some of the elite athletes, even at the quarterback position, they're players too. And I get that you need to protect them. I'm not saying it warrants a cheap shot, but if they have the ability to pump fake and bring the ball back down, that to me should be almost the litmus test to where I was always taught growing up. If you got a shot at the quarterback, you take it. Nothing cheap, not when the ball's well out of his hands. But if you got a shot at the quarterback, you got to take it. And the enforcement of the roughing the passer penalty is what is most problematic to me. I get that there might be limitations, which you can do midseason. But in the offseason, it might need to be can we review this after the fact? And I hate reviews as much as any fan. I think it disrupts the flow of the game. But to say, if we miss it on the field, we can't go back and assess a penalty. Or if we assess a penalty on the field, can we go back and pick up the flag? It needs to go both ways to where if it is blatant and if it's obvious. It's one of those things where you know it when you see it. And it's the back-to-back games, it's just been a problem to where I could argue that the Falcons, it affected the outcome of their game with the Buccaneers, a divisional matchup in week five. I could argue that the Raiders benefited from the fact against the Chiefs with Chris Jones. If these are influencing the outcomes of games, we have a problem to where it's, look, and I get that Twitter can be an echo chamber, but when something like this is almost universal, what are we doing? What are we doing? Um, go to the next segment. Odell Beckham Jr. still out there as a free agent right now. And there are really four teams that I think could still sign him. The Rams, who he went to a season ago, he would have won the Super Bowl MVP the way he was playing before he got hurt. A Rams offense that's really in dire need of a spark. The offensive line's not as good this year, so Matthew Stafford has struggled. Cooper Cup's really the only dynamic playmaker on that offense. The Rams have really struggled after winning the Super Bowl a a year ago. And remember, they were the four seed in the NFC going into the Super Bowl last year, so it's not like they were perfect a year ago either. A Rams team that ranks last in the NFL in rushing yards on offense. One-dimensional team, the onus falls on Matt Stafford, really Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup. But other than that, who are their playmakers? The Packers. They lose Devontae Adams to the Raiders in the offseason. 
And okay, Alan Lazard, and they got two hosses in the backfield, two studs in the backfield, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. I call him tree trunk Dillon. That guy is massive. Packers offense that could use some juice. I don't know if OBJ would want to go to Green Bay. It gets cold there. I get that. But could he help take the Packers over the top? You pair him with Alan Lazard and company, and then Aaron Rodgers has a great target. So that's a possibility. Ike, Ike has mentioned the Packers with OBJ when we've done this show before. The Bills, too. You, know, you got Stefan Diggs, and Gabe Davis is coming into his own as well. Really, the Bills, to me, need more of a running game than a star receiver, but Von Miller and OBJ go to the Rams a year ago and they win the Super Bowl. Could they do the same for a Buffalo franchise that has been right on the cusp so many times? I mean, a year ago, back in the 90s, when they go to four consecutive Super Bowls, something I don't think we'll ever see ever again. Bills are a possibility. And how about the Ravens as well? I know Lamar Jackson, and there's the narrative that he doesn't get his receivers the ball, but you got Lamar, you got the running backs. Now you got Rashad Bateman, the young receiver out of Minnesota, and then Mark Andrews, one of the best tight ends in the game. The Ravens is a possibility as well. Those are really four teams of where I could see OBJ land. And let me know what you think. If you if I'm missing one or if you think one fit would be better than the other. If OBJ is going after titles, to me, the Bills. Help take the Bills over the top, play a role there, and... <laughs> Josh Allen to me is as exciting as a quarterback as there is in this league. And that's why the week six matchup between Allen and Mahomes, like I kind of hope that this is the new Tom Brady, Peyton Manning matchup. I, I really do. I really do. So again, to recap Rams, Packers, Bills, Ravens for OBJ, I would imagine he winds up somewhere. And I know Instagram's not always the best depiction of reality, but he looks like he's in pretty good shape following that injury in the Super Bowl and everything. And he's a dynamic player. Say what you want about the guy. I, I know off the field, there is a lot, but his talent could really help propel a team that needs to get over the top offensively. He demonstrated the ability to do that a season ago. And again, in the Super Bowl, the attention that Cooper Cup generated, he was the guy where he's winning one-on-one -on -one matchups consistently on the outside. And it's a shame he got hurt because he was really starting to get back to his form that we saw when he started his career with the Giants. What happened with the Browns no BJ, we don't need to relitigate that. But just as a player, he's a dynamic, dynamic talent. And I want to see that again on the field. And we'll see where he winds up this season. If I had to make a prediction right now, I would say either Packers or Bills, but I don't know what motivates him. And maybe he waits a little bit longer, too, to see. I know he's flirted with the Giants, too, and Giants fans are probably mad that I didn't include him in the list. Giants are at 4-1 and one right now, and each week when I preview the games, it's like, are the Giants a good team? But if he actually wants to win another Super Bowl... Bills or Packers would be his best bet. Go back to the Bills. Wherever Von Miller winds up, you, you end up winning Super Bowls. That's what I would do. We'll see how he is motivated. And it also depends, too, on what kind of salary he could command because it's really not so much about this season. It's a one-year rental for whichever team signs him, but where he could also wind up 
long term as well for at least the the rest of his career, however much longer that is left. Week six, Thursday night football. And let's go to the week six matchups. Commanders and Bears. And if you thought last weekend's Colts-Broncos game was lousy, I've got a treat for you. This Bears team is favored by one point. And through five weeks, they've only thrown 88 passes, which means they don't even throw the ball 18 times per game. For the Bears team, they're playing 1950s football. The amount of passes the Bears have thrown this season is the fewest team by any team since 1982. That was the year the NFL went on strike. So in a way, the Bears are kind of doing worse. And speaking of Cooper Cup as well, he has more receptions alone this season than the entire Bears roster. Justin Fields is an exciting quarterback, and I know Bears fans are probably excited because they almost came back against the Vikings. The Commanders, where do I start? Here's where I start. Carson Wentz, yet another team. I don't know, Philly, and then last year he's in Indy, and now he's in Washington. You're not going to fix a first-round quarterback. Really, Ryan Tannehill's the only guy who has gone to another team as a first-round pick where the other team's been able to salvage a career. Ryan Tannehill is the exception, not the rule. And I know Carson Wentz, it's like he's got all the gifts. But I can assure you this, I am certain about this. Of it, of all 32 teams in the league that will need a quarterback in this upcoming draft, the Commanders are one team, the Panthers are another team. So if there's five quarterbacks, whether it's DJ Stroud or Bryce Young or the kid from Kentucky, there are several other good star quarterbacks out there. Point being, I know that the Panthers and I know that the commanders are going to need a quarterback. So, man, it's going to be – sometimes it's so bad it's good. I cannot wait for this Thursday night matchup because, again, Colts-Broncos last weekend in a game that neither team scored a touchdown. And Matt Ryan and Russell Wilson have been to multiple Pro Bowls and they still couldn't score a touchdown. We could have another absolutely brutal game on Thursday night. I'll take the Bears at home, but man, I've got my popcorn ready because we thought last weekend's matchup was bad. It could be another lousy game. We'll see. Ravens and Giants. The Ravens are a five-point favorite on the road. And again, in my notes, are the Giants a good football team? I like what Brian Dable's done over there. If the season ended right now, he would be my coach of the year. We'll see how long he lasts because the NFC East is somehow back. Eagles, Giants, and Cowboys all playing at a very, very high level. But the Ravens have a kicker named Justin Tucker, who is the league's best. He's the most exciting kicker. He's also the best kicker. If you get the ball like over the 50-yard line late in a game, that is such an advantage. In his lifetime, in the final minute of regulation, Tucker is 17 of 17. At what point is that broken? And for that reason, and with the way Lamar Jackson's playing, I'm going to take the Ravens on the road against the Giants. We will see. The Giants win this one again. Are they actually a good football team? This is the question I have every single week, but Brian Dable's doing something special over there in New York. Give me the Ravens on the road as a five-point road favorite. Again, four and one the Giants right now. These lines are interesting to me. These lines are interesting to me. Okay, Jets, Packers. Let me get a quick drink. Hang on. Jets, Packers. Packers are a seven-point favorite. Both teams enter the game three and two. 
Packers appear to have a dominant defense, but you can run the football against this defense. And the Jets are coming off a 40 to 17 win against a Dolphins team that was looking very promising several weeks ago. Now, I know Tua has his concussion injury. The backup Teddy Bridgewater gets knocked out too. But said Jets team that finally drafted well too because Sauce Gardner looks like a special player. Receiver Garrett Wilson is good. Tip your cap to Joe Douglas. The Packers at home, I don't know that they cover. I do think that they win. I think the Jets keep it close, but I think the Jets do cover in this game. Again, the Packers, a seven-point favorite at home. I don't know. Aaron Rodgers, the this offense, you know, he can – the idea to me would be get the ground game going, and then when Rodgers needs to make plays, he can. But – they're just missing one guy, and that shows you how special of a receiver Devontae Adams was. Again, this is why I mentioned the Packers as a destination for OBJ. But give me the Packers to win at home. I'll take the Jets to cover. Maybe through the Packers' money line in a parlay as well. And again, you could do that on betonline.ag. Let's go to the two best weekend matchups, Bills and Chiefs. Bills are a three-point favorite on the road at Arrowhead and KC. And for the first time in his career, Patrick Mahomes is a home underdog. 41 career home starts. Patrick Mahomes has never been an underdog at home until this weekend. That includes the playoffs as well. Longest streak to begin a career in the Super Bowl era. That's how special Patrick Mahomes is. And I think, I know the Bills have been so good this season, but at home in KC, the way that, the Chiefs came out against the Buccaneers and you saw how mad that they were from the Super Bowl loss. I think the Chiefs can do it again at home and no lead is safe against this Chiefs team. Let me pull up the stat that I have. Following Monday night's win, the Chiefs are 12-9 and with Patrick Mahomes as their starting quarterback when they have faced a 10-plus point deficit to start since the 20th. 2018 season. Let me read this again. After Monday night's win, the Chiefs are 12 and 9 with Mahomes as their starting quarterback when they face a 10 plus point deficit since the start of 2018. In that same stretch, all other opposing quarterbacks are 156 to 173 losses. That is a 15% winning percentage when trailing by 10 points. That's how special Mahomes has been. No lead is safe against the Chiefs. And if you could take one thing away from that Chiefs-Raiders Monday night game, everyone looks at a stat sheet and says, well, the, the tight end Travis Kelsey scores four touchdowns, and that's special. But what it was to me was the red zone efficiency in which this Chiefs offense operates, led by Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy. And I'm looking at it right now in terms of touchdown percentage in the red zone, Chiefs rank third in the league. It's the play design, it's the spacing, and it's the execution. And if you're another NFL team, watch what the Chiefs do in the red zone for how they operate as a team. This is going on for years about how to punch the ball in the end zone. And this is a Steelers-based show. Steelers are 25th in league in red zone touchdown scoring efficiency. You scout your opposing team. You scout yourself on what you can do to get better and to improve. What about scouting a team that does it the right way? And that leads to Travis Kelsey scoring four touchdowns. But the red zone 
touchdown efficiency with the Chiefs operate to me is very special. That being said, the Bills have been like scorched earth this season. I think Mahomes is a quarterback capable, though, of taking advantage of Micah Hyde is out for the rest of the season, star safety. We'll see about Jordan Poyer this week. Jordan Poyer was out against the Steelers in week five. Does he play? He has four interceptions this season. Going into week five, I know he was leading the NFL. I'm sure he's still atop of the defensive uh, leaderboard in terms of interceptions in the league. That could be a key difference in this game. But Mahomes is a good enough quarterback, even with this collection of receivers, to take advantage of that. Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen with time in the pocket is scary. Now, Allen, too, I don't want to shortcut him, too, because he had almost 350 yards and four touchdowns at halftime against the Steelers. This game, two of the NFL's best. If we're lucky, it won't be the last time these two teams play this season. I'm going to take the Chiefs at home to win, meaning that they also cover. But I could see this game going either way, and you hope that these teams don't peak too soon because the last time that they played – Chiefs go on and win, even though they had a lead with 13 seconds left in the game. In the final two minutes of the playoff matchup a year ago, the two teams combined for 25 points in the final two minutes of regulation. So I'm ready for this one. Bills at Chiefs should be heck of a matchup at Arrowhead. Last game, Sunday night football, Cowboys at Eagles, another showdown. So this weekend in week six, I'd argue that we have two matchups featuring top five teams. It's really going to be the Eagles offense versus the Cowboys defense. And this Cowboys defense has been special. Very straightforward stat for you. Dallas has allowed exactly one touchdown in each of its five games this season. Mentioned Brian Dable giving him credit for coach of the year if the season ended today. If the season ended today, Micah Parsons would be defensive player of the year. Point blank period. He's been that special for the Cowboys. But with Hertz running the show, Eagles second in the NFL in total yards, fifth in total points. So what gives? I think the Eagles win a close one at home. I will take the Cowboys to cover, though. I think this game is going to be really, really, uh, really, really close. But it comes down to is this is this Cowboys defense actually legit or is this Eagles offense actually legit? In the league right now, favors offense. So give me the Eagles at home. I think the Cowboys do cover. I think it'll be like a three-point game. I'm going to go ahead and sign off here. Uh, we'll get Ike Taylor back next week. He's busy with the scouting duties with the Steelers. I want to thank the Believe Network, our video producers over at Brinks TV, led by John Brinkus, Courtney Vargas, Herbert Diaz, producers Megan and Yancey as well. Today's sponsor of the Believe in Steelers show, betonline.ag. I want to thank the listeners and the viewers of today's show for taking the time out, making us a part of your day again. Ike will be back next week, and we'll go ahead and see you then. Enjoy the week six action. We'll see you with Steelers and Buccaneers. We'll be back with full reaction for that. But until then, I'll go ahead and sign off. Thank you so much for taking the time to watch. I'm Mark Bergen. Enjoy the week six action. Have a great rest of your week. So long, everybody. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts 
so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.